Good morning, Chair City Church, and a happy new year to all of you. So if, what if, what if in 2020 you lived your life with less regret? What if in 2020 you lived your life with less condemnation, a self-condemnation? What if you lived 2020 uh, focusing more on what God has done and continually running through your mind what you have done, did, or what you have not done or failed to do, right? We're going to be jumping into the book of Romans in this series, specifically Romans chapter 8, um, and which is the same uh, book of the Bible you're going to be jumping into when you do that if series. We're coming at it from two different angles. Uh, really going to lather you up with truth and application. Uh, you come in on Sunday, you're going to hear one angle and one method of delivering. You come in on Thursday, it's going to be a different format, video, questions, me answering questions, going back and forth, uh, speaking. And then in all of that, you have your 21 days of prayer. You know, each day getting the emails, reading them, coming into different places, all that to just strengthen you spiritually, to see you draw closer to God, to kick off your year in such a wonderful and powerful way, yes? So, Romans chapter 8, the theologian and pastor John Piper, who I'm, I'm fond of, he calls the 8th chapter of Romans the greatest book in the Bible. And for hundreds of years, many uh, theologians and pastors have referred to it as the great eight, one of the greatest books of the Bible. Uh, it, this book kicks off in Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It talks about no condemnation from God. And then it ends, the, the eighth chapter ends, talking about no separation from God. And in the middle, it talks about for those who are in Christ, there is no defeat. So you've got, it's powerful. Listen to those realities. You've got no condemnation, no defeat, and no separation from God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You who are in Christ, you belong to Christ, you have faith in Christ, you are not condemned. You have, meaning you've come to a place with this realization that the way you were living at some point just was not ideal, it was not the best form of yourself, Right? You turn to God, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're in Christ. What this means is whatever you have done, you are not condemned. That word condemnation means punishment. It's like standing before a judge, you're found guilty, and the judge levels the punishment. Often, we are our own judge. We're continually leveling the punishment within ourselves where we are. We deprecate ourselves. We sell ourselves short. We're punishing ourselves in different ways. And we do this in a form of maybe carrying regret as we condemn ourselves. Yet the finished work of Jesus Christ is so powerful. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, no matter your sin, and they are, as Jesus said to, the, to those who he ministered, who are plentiful, are many, 
you will not be condemned. And you are not condemned. Now, none of us get everything right. And each year we live, we realize that more and more, don't we? It's, it's kind of why I do like to hang out and spend time with sort of elderly and older people. They're just so straightforward, right? They're not trying to get it all right anymore. They don't really care. They know they're not going to get it right. And they just put it out there, and I'm cool with that. We cannot and will not get perfection. If you dig deep enough, and for some like me, you don't have to dig too deep. You can scratch. It's just messy, right? Yeah, and we say we don't expect each other to be perfect, but it's not exactly how we handle each other and how we approach ourselves and others. It's why it's so difficult in these times to be a leader. It's why it's so difficult to be in a public eye because People just dig up so much on you and examine you in certain ways, like as if they expect you to be perfect. And I, my, my heart goes out there to both sides, Democrat, Republican, just ministers, uh, all these people who've stepped out. Imagine if someone could do a Google search on you of all the things you've not done right. <laughs> Said, thought, they're like, yeah, like, whoa, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, right? What, what kind of a case could they make of the person that they would say you are, right? If, and, and Meaning, and all the stuff you're reading or that what they would gather and put together would be based on their interviews and conversations with other people, meaning, and they'd be getting the other person's versions of it, not yours, right? Wow. We are all flawed. Each one of us. That's just who we are. But there's one who's not flawed, and it's Jesus Christ. I want you to get that today. Jesus Christ is not flawed. He is perfect. It's why he was able to live the perfect life. It's why he was the one who died on the cross for you and I. And the person who believes in Jesus and who he was and what he did and on his finished, that finished work on the cross, that person is not condemned. They're flawed, they're sinful, but they are not condemned. Nor should they live out from a place of condemnation in any way, shape, or form. Now, there's some of you in here who believe in Jesus, and I really did. I kind of battled with this for, and I don't, didn't realize it then. I, I realized it over the years, and the more... I mature or go grow in my faith, the more I realize how much it existed early on in my faith that I struggle with this condemnation thing. And I think to some degree, I, I will continually be battling with this and wrestling with it, growing more in it, but still struggling with this condemnation that I am not condemned. And I don't have to live from that place of condemnation. But there are some of you and you believe in Jesus, and you're saying that, that might be true. You're not, you're not arguing what I'm saying. You're not disagreeing with me, but you don't believe it. Like, within the core of your conscience, you don't believe this is true for you. I, I, I know I'm not the only one that struggled with this. That you don't really embrace it. You're not absorbing that you are not condemned. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Either that's the truth or it's a lie. It can't be in between. It's a total truth or it's an absolute lie. I'm telling you, this you can take to the bank. You are not condemned. This is a car that you can drive like you own it, huh? You can live your life, and you should live your life based on this phenomenal, magnificent truth. To the extent that you deeply believe this, oh, and if you would just pause and listen to yourself, talk to yourself, and the thought, you'd say, my God, do, do, am I condemning myself? Do I live from a place of condemnation? Is so much of how I see God and how I'm living out with God just trying to balancing out God and my condemnation, not God saying, no, get rid of it. You're not condemned. I love you, but there's so much more for me and you than me just helping you and healing you from the pain and the suffering you're causing by your self-deprecating condemnation thoughts. That just came out, so I hope it made sense. To the extent you believe this, it's going to deeply affect how you live. Yes, I do deserve condemnation. Dave, I, I subtly say you, you deserve it too. But Jesus has stood in my place and your place, right? And because Jesus did, there is no condemnation for me or for you. None. You want to, this year, 2020, first Sunday, I want you to deeply get it. I want you to just pause and let that sink in. I want you to have a time of just trans of, of just change within yourself, of, of transformation. I am not condemned. Let's watch the video. If, if I. This is the condition, the why, the question mark over each of our lives. If, if I, if I am good enough, if I don't mess up too much, if I go to the right church, if I prove to God my worth, if I pray before I eat, if I read scripture before I sleep, if I do enough good works, if I share the gospel with those who search, if I always give it my best try, if I do the most I can before I die, if, 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 I. Now the problem with these questioning lines is not actually that you're asking if, but that your if is dependent upon your I. Because if you're trying to provide yourself with an equation that assures you of your salvation and you're trying to use yourself as the standard, the cause, the determinant, the foundation, then all you will ever get out of your internal interrogations to the question, have I finally done enough to receive salvation, will be a resounding negative declaration, 
no, no, you aren't good enough. No, you messed up too much. No, you did not do enough good works. No, you did not prove to God your worth. No, you didn't give it your best try. No, you didn't do enough before you died. If your if is based on your I, then your assurance of salvation will always be denied. And yet, for every single one of us, this is what we've tried. To base our salvation on self-evaluation. But all we ever get out of this arrangement is condemnation. That's why you feel lacking, no matter how hard you try. Because your if is based on your I. It's why you feel disobedient no matter how often you comply because your if is based on your I. It's why you feel distant like a misfit, like a second-class citizen. It's why you feel empty no matter how much you supply because your if is based on your I. And your I can never measure up to the standard of God on high. And that's not because his standards are awry, but it's because he is perfect and we always fall short of that prize. And so there is always condemnation for those who are in I. But there is good news. There is gospel free to all without price. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So let's make a new condition. Let's Let's ask a different why. With the old one gone, let's fly a freshly drawn question mark over each of our lives. Let's ask a new if to replace our if eyes. Let's ask if, if Christ, if Christ was good enough. If Christ loved so much, if Christ died to save his church, if Christ rose to give us his worth, if Christ provided bread of life to eat, if Christ fulfilled the scriptures by crushing death beneath his feet, if Christ performed every good work, sought out those who never searched, died the death we should have died, beat the grave to raise us to life, if, 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 Christ. Now, the joy within these questioning lines is that our if is no longer dependent on something that we supplied. Instead, the if of our salvation is dependent on the one who loved us so much that he was crucified. So, let's abandon our if eyes and run towards if christ let's move from feeling like i'm condemned to say i'm convinced that neither life nor death neither heights nor depths not my own faults or mess ups not my guilt or distrust nothing can separate me from the love of god because all my ifs christ answered on the cross and so, we can ask one final if, and with it, all condemnation is crushed. If God is for us, who can be against us?
Don't live condemned. Live convinced in who Jesus Christ is. Don't look to who you are, what you've done, but who he is. And I mean deeply look to it, focus on it, dwell on it. This is who he is. And he, and, and he is in me. I belong to him. This is who I am. Live out your life from that process, circumstances, through this truth. Some of you, you struggle to embrace this. You're not, that, that you are not condemned. It, and that has nothing to do with who you are in a sense, but who Jesus is. Yes, you are a child of God and you believe in Jesus, but it's based on him, not you. Now, this way of thinking that I, that I am condemned, variations of this way of thinking. Oh, I promise you, if you just pause, we put it out there in so many ways. He was saying how this way of thinking, meaning all the different examples, these games of ways of condemnation. Even as I'm watching it, I, I, it's there. Jesus' name, 2020, let it be there less and less and less, yes? Because to the extent that it's there, I tell you, we're hearing more the voice of our adversary. We're hearing the lie that Satan perpetuates in our minds, yes? He wants to see us condemned. He wants to believe we're condemned. Why? That we would carry the shame and the ungodly, unnecessary guilt it can be a healthy guilt, but it's an ungodly, unhealthy guilt that, that we would carry the regret, that we would see our past and our future and our present through regret and be steeped in a condemnation. Some of you, you're not just carrying it, but you're living from it, which is what I think was a significant way that I was governing my life, huh? You're sad. You're deeply sad. It's sometimes depressed over something you did over something that happened, or over a missed opportunity that you think has translated to a lacking in the lives of those you love, it creeps up on you as it, it, as, as it does on me. There are some things, some happening that, that thoughts of regrets come from, they, they're triggered, you know? It's it just, like I said, it, you could see something, someone, if you're not centered to this, if, if you've not, see, if you've not gotten Romans 8 and Romans 8, 1, if it's not a central part of your belief and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're so susceptible to this happening over and over again. If you're not continuing, you're telling yourself, not only I believe in Jesus, but I am not, because I believe in Jesus, I am not condemned. And I will not live from regrets. And anything that in any way resembles that, I'll have no part of. I would just speak Jesus' name into it. And think of who he is and what he did for me. But again, these things will pop up continually. So, you know, it happened to me just yesterday. I mean, like not even 24 hours ago. And not in a subtle way. I went to Oakmont High School uh, to see my little girl Joy play town basketball. You know, it's a great day, right? I, I mean, I've got a, a wonderful and a beautiful wife. I, my little girl's healthy. She... You know, she's getting better and better. She's playing ball. I, 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 not five minutes can go by where I can't see something that thinks, wow, I, I didn't have that when I was a child. And yet, yesterday I realized something, and I'm sincere. I, I realized something that has existed for a while, 
a few years perhaps, certainly a couple of years, but I, I sensed it yesterday. Maybe it's perhaps because I've been working on this sermon and on this subject. You see, when I go to Oakmont High School, specifically the gym area where the basketball courts are, see, in that building, there's a main corridor, a main hallway, and on that, in that hallway, on both sides of the walls, there's cases, uh, display cases, where they put out, you know, kind of trophies to kind of proclaim their accomplishments, you know? Uh, you know, you know, football, track, baseball, all these different ones of the athletic teams and the individuals, you know? You could see pictures of, 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 of football teams from the past, and there's that undefeated team that won the division championship football team, and, you know, you can see a little picture of little 18-year-old Doug Marchant who played on that team. Huh? I think it was somewhere in, like, the mid-'90s, right? Uh, okay. That is actually funny, by the way. <laughs> so in that same corridor, they have a large sign in that corridor you could put on the picture, Right? And every time I go to Oakmont <laughs> High School, I walk over that sign, All right. um, and I stare at it every time. And uh, I don't know why I do it every time, but I do. And when I do, I have this deep, deep, I never realized, deep sense of regret. It's enormous. I never realized how enormous it was. I never realized uh, uh, until, until yesterday. And, and it's because of the third line from the bottom. She says 3,200-meter relay, 1,600-meter relay, 800-meter relay. And, and what you're looking at is the list of the Oakmont High School record holders, all-time record holders. It, it's, a, it's a piece of history. It's a privilege. It's, it's really meaningful. Huh? And you see those runners who hold the fastest record for the 800-meter relay? Third from the bottom, that team, as you see all the way to the right, they did it in 2017, right? See, when I, I read that, it brings me back every time before God. Every time I read that and I'm looking at it, it brings me back to a certain moment. I can see the moment like it was yesterday. You see, in the fall of 2017, Justin, my son, had joined a, joined a cross-country uh, team, And he did that because in 2016, Justin was a varsity member of Oakmont's track team, indoor and outdoor. He was varsity, meaning he, he scored points, coming first, first, second, third in the different events, running events. He was a sprinter in particular, right? And he had developed a lot of good friends on the team, not only sprinters, but the long-distance runners. And these long-distance runners were going to be running, and they were a great group of kids, they were going to be running uh, cross-country for conditioning. And so he thought, well, I'm going to join these guys. And he did. And after a couple of weeks, he's like, you know, he's like, I really don't like cross country. And he gave his reasons, you know. You know? I like, you know, he, I really, he really liked hanging out with the guys, but he didn't like cross country. So, and as this is going on, he's observing and watching the football practice. Last year and over the summer, a couple of kids from the team and even a coach said, hey, well, I want you to come out and, and, and join the team. Because he, Justin, was, he's, is still, but was very fast. And, and a very good athlete. So now I've mentioned this before from up here that, you know, Christy did not want Justin to play football. She had good reasons. Uh, I thought about it. I talked with Christy and I convinced her that it was best to let him play football. 
The first day I picked Justin up from football practice, because he transferred, he left the cross-country team, and he went to the football team. First day I pick him up, and here's what I can remember like it was yesterday. He gets in the car, we start driving out of the parking lot, and there sitting on a small set of stairs are the guys from the cross-country team, in particular, not the whole team, but like about four guys that were his close guys, his, his friends. And he waved to them, and they looked over and waved. And I had this deep, deep sense that something was wrong, that he should be with these guys, that relationship trumps everything, and there was something special there, and, and that there were clouded reasons for him going to play football. Or at least I wasn't sure. I was sure of that, but I wasn't sure of that. And as I have an influence in my son's life, I do work with my kids. But you know what I did? I let it go. I didn't push the point with my son, Justin. And I just let him go and I let him play football. Two weeks later, Justin takes a vicious hit. We saw it. Gets a concussion. He misses the rest of the football season. But so much worse, Justin cannot run. He cannot be on the indoor track team where he was a varsity sprinter, where he was on the relay team. In 2017, the team that broke the record, Justin's fellow teammates, their names are on the board, but Justin's name is not on the board. Right? If Justin doesn't play football, Justin's name is on the board. You know? Now maybe, as a dad, I didn't use my intuition. Maybe I, I wasn't truth with myself. Maybe I was being a macho dad. Maybe there's sin in all the middle of that pride. It could be. Maybe now that I'm maybe really just sensing all this, I can have some more deeper and intimate, honest conversations with God about this rather than just live from a place of self-condemnation. I could have made a different decision, influenced my son not to play football but to run, but I did not. His name's not there, and I have regret. I realized this just deeply yesterday. I became aware of it. I realized how much I actually carry it. I realized how much it affects my demeanor when I'm in that building, even sometimes the rest of my day. I have been letting my regret get the best of me. I have, in this area, been living out from condemnation of myself. This is not what God has for me. We all have regrets. Do not let your regrets cause you to live a condemned life. Don't let your regrets hold you ransom. That God has mercifully done so much in the now that you're missing it because you're focused on the condemnation and Satan, what he's telling you, that you won't absorb the goodness of God. That's the first thing I realized that what it's doing to me. We all have those regrets. Learn to leverage them. There is no regret God cannot redeem. We have a God of redemption. As time goes on, I, as I am 
just overnight, in the wee hours of this morning, I'm thinking about this, and I cannot deny God's mercy and his redemption is still going on in this situation. I'm not just trying to like, you know, which is cool. You know, when you say, look, at least I'm breathing, I have life. Praise God. But I'm not even going to that. I mean, these, I'm, I'm talking direct, ongoing, continual things that are happening in him, in our relationship, that, that is God's redemption. And, and, and the more, I, and I need to see this. I need to hold, I need to profess Christ, that I am in Christ and I am not condemned and he loves me. And I'm not perfect, therefore I will not behave perfectly. But if I focus on him, the better I'll do. It'll be better for me, for him, it'll be better for all. Listen, as time goes on, I see more and more of God's redemption in this matter with Justin. The best is yet to come. When we live, yeah. When we live from a place, a central place in our faith that we are not condemned we really get the best is yet to come. When we're living from places of condemnation, we're weighing everything out from what we've done wrong and from, from who we are, and really that best is yet to come is more of a cliche. It's more of a platitude. It's really more now going to be filtered from, from our expectations. It's just, it's just so fragmented, if you will, and, and, and diluted. Maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you've missed an opportunity. All of that exists in my personal illustration. Today, beginning, the beginning of 2020, we are here. You need to stop looking at you and you need to turn to God's truth. You need to stop living from a place of condemnation and live from a place of, convinc of con being convinced of what Jesus did. I want to bring you back to something Batterson says in his book, Mark Batterson, he says there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And I know some of you are probably struggling with this, and I don't want to go in there because I'll go off on a tangent and I'll, I'll have some sideways energy there. See, conviction is feeling guilt over unconfessed sin. That's good. Conviction is feeling guilt over unconfessed sin feeling uncomfortable that you're carrying sins or continually sinning over and over in the same area and you're not confessing and talking about this with God. That's good. That's healthy. That's conviction, right? It's from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit speaks into our heart, into our conscience, and he's doing this to get us in a right relationship with God. Time, we're going to have communion today, as Christy mentioned. It's a great time. It's a powerful time to sit before God. And here's why. Because as you're doing that, you're remembering intimately what Jesus did while you're now confessing your sin. So you're not alone. And you're not devalued, you're empowered. You're not condemned, right? But you're convinced of what Jesus did. I, I invite you to join communion today and, and to... Go through that incredible process that's been going on for thousands, a couple of thousands of years. The enemy, you see, condemnation is feeling guilt over confessing. Condemnation, condemnation is you feel shame 
over what you're confessing or what you're thinking about confessing, maybe to the point where you're not even going to confess. You're not even going to have that conversation with God. It's too painful. It's too, too difficult because you're carrying it yourself. You're carrying it from a place of thinking of condemnation. Now that I am in Christ, I am not condemned. I can confess. The enemy tells you of all you've done wrong, and he tells you in a distorted way. It's probably not as accurate as you would perceive it to be, meaning as you perceive it to be. It's coming to you in a distorted and destructive way. So you dwell on it. It consumes you. It clouds you. It, it, it drains you. You really don't have a lot left over to live the beautiful life. You do the best you can, but, you, but you're, there's not much left in you to really Pursue God as he intended, as he deserves. There's so much more of God for you to have. This way of thinking, in my opinion, causes us, you know, as I said before, to stay away from having these honest and open conversations with God, which is so critical, because when they come up, they're magnificent. So I had that moment yesterday um, I'm still working through this, but I know it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, I actually, it's crazy how our mind works. When I went up there, with, I was talking to Cammy, I said, put the thing, uh, the picture up on the board. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? Maybe he wasn't on that team. You know, maybe, maybe he wasn't the 800 meters. I'm like, you know what, let me go talk to him. And I actually ran back and I'm like, hey, he just, we've not talked about this. I've never talked about it. I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, he's like, yeah, no, that was the team I was on. I was so convinced maybe that, oh, it was wrong. I was free. No, he goes, no, that, that's the team I was on. I said, oh, okay, all right, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I did the math wrong in my head. <laughs> you know, but now I don't, have to, I don't have to walk into that building like that anymore. I don't have to be affected the way I was anymore. I don't have to have it affect the way I'm talking to my wife and the way I'm watching my little girl play ball. I don't have to do that anymore. I know it's there. I know God is with me. I know God by his mercy and his Holy Spirit has revealed this to me. I can now begin to search and to see God. What in me that is in me has offended you that contributed to this? And if it's there, I'm okay with that because I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm, 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 that's what it looks like. I'm not perfect. Why would I not be capable and susceptible to doing something like this? But I have a Savior who gave his life for me, who is perfect. And I could talk to him about this. And he is in me and with me. And he is for me. And I have hope that he will work through all of this for his glory. He'll redeem it all. And something wonderful and good will come from it. I believe that. That's hope. I don't have to approach it the old way, so I'm all over the place. Look. Get to confessing and get out of the loop of self-condemning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin, him Jesus, for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God makes us right. He redeems our circumstances. God made Jesus who never failed, who had no sin, to become sin for us. So that we who have failed, we can become righteous before God. Doesn't mean that your righteousness is not just 
um, not doing bad. Righteousness is doing good. It's living out life large and loud in your faith. We can do this because we're not condemned. We're free to live out in this new and beautiful way. God took our worst and gave us his best. Praise God. God took a perfect, a perfect man, his son, and made him sinner so that we who are sinners could not be condemned. It's an amazing story. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy, we really have a difficult time truly believing in it. But you know what it is? It's crazy love. It's crazy love. It's love like this world has never seen. Live in that crazy love in 2020. Live from that crazy love in 2020. Let it permeate your relationship, the way you see your spouse, the way you see your family. Live from that. I promise the next time I walk into that building, I will be thinking of this and I will live from this and I will be on my God listening for my enemy. But I've got something to say to him now. This is your year. You came in here today and you did not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When I, you, you know, to belong to him, that he's in you and you're with him. To deeply know God is for you. But God in his mercy and in that crazy love has brought you in here. Yeah, he did. That you would have this if moment, you know. That I think back and I say, man, that, that moment that I went out to see Christy, that moment where I talked with that elderly woman at that Bible study a, a week later. What if, 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 thank God, this is your if moment. The moment for your life to be changed forever, for the greater, for the better. The moment for you to realize hope as you never could have fathomed in really a dark and divisive world. And you move into that. The Bible says if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. If that's you today, that you're like, you know what? God is working in me. He's drawing me closer to him. I've realized, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who is person, the gal who's living out this not ideal life. I am living out in a way that's really seemingly short of what I should be or what I feel I could be. But today I'm turning to Jesus Christ. Today I'm confessing my sins. Today I'm going to trust in God. And I'm believing that Jesus gave his life for me. He's perfect. I'm imperfect. I not am I okay with that. I think I'm, that's wonderful. Today, it's not I, it's him. Today I have salvation, yes? If you are here today and you believe in Jesus, when was the last time you paused and dwelt on this truth and pondered it deeply? Who Jesus is, what he did, and that you're not condemned and praised God for this to a point where it melted your heart, to a point where you just, you know, it charged you up, it got you going, your heart was beating. I know not, not everybody is a, as emotive as I am, but you know you experience, you hear something, you see something, and you know you, you feel it, right? When was the last time you felt this truth? 
When was the last time you let that crazy love sink in, that it was paramount, so much more important and valuable to you than anything else? It's the beginning of 2020. Whoa! I'm 54, that's whoa! My friend, start the new year off right. Live out the rest of the year from this truth that God has brought to us. Weigh everything that's going on that you perceive to be from this truth. It's going to have a huge impact on your life in 2020. I am not condemned. I will not live from regrets. I will not base it on I but him. Start thinking there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Go home. Go home this afternoon. Repeat it to yourself. I am not condemned. There is no condemnation for those, for me, who are in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful thing it is, right? What a sweet thing it is, that name of Jesus. What a glorious thing it is to believe in and to trust in. Sit in it. Realize what God did. He took our worst and gave us his best in Jesus Christ. That we would not be condemned, but that we would be righteous. Know that it's not what we do, but it's what he's done. Because of Jesus Christ, you are not condemned. You are free. To God be the glory.